0: to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you wanna eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. I'm excited because the best part of your day, yes, is when you wake up. But society and the food industry have kind of embedded in us that we need to eat breakfast and you got to look at your protein. But a lot of us reach for a protein shake or many of us reach for yogurt. So today we're going to be diving into exactly which yogurts you should be reaching for at the grocery store, but most importantly, what's really inside of your yogurt, because there is a ton of dairy-free yogurt out there, but most of it is made with really crappy ingredients that combat your health and make you tired and bloated all day long. So today I'm excited to go live with the founder of Kalina Yogurt. Her name is Erin Asad, and what's up, Erin? Hey, great to see you. Excited to chat today. Yeah, me too. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? I'm actually surprised you did because I was
1: like, no way. She's going to say it. She's going to say it. And yeah, you got it right. My husband's family, um, his dad's side is Egyptian. So that's where the last name comes in. But
0: yeah. Okay. I don't usually attempt names that I haven't really heard of. And I definitely (laughs) have not heard of that. So kudos to me for getting that right. Thanks. You did a good job yeah okay. so how about give me a little background of how did you come to making such an incredible product? What brought you here? Is this a health journey? Yeah, and thanks so much for having me on the show. i'm I'm excited.
1: So my journey has been interesting. I think like a lot of people back in 2014 started having some serious health issues. And at the time, I had watched something on YouTube about this girl who was dealing with a lot of like the same issues that I was, and she had removed dairy, sugar, gluten from her diet. And at that time, I had never removed anything from my diet, so it was a very foreign concept to me. And I really wanted to resolve my health issues which at the time was you know, a lot of bloating. I was having high anxiety. I had a lot of acne and skin issues. And I just got to the point where I was like, I got to do something. And this girl solved her issues with diet. Let me see if I can try doing that myself. So I went and talked to a functional nutritionist and told them what I was doing. I got some testing done and ended up deciding to remove you know, dairy and all these delicious things in my diet for the first time in my life. And as I was looking for substitutes, I remember going to Whole Foods and I ate yogurt every day for breakfast and for lunch. At the time, I loved Faye and I would eat Greek yogurt with honey. You know, that was my snack. It was inexpensive and easy, and what I felt like was easy on my digestion. So I went to the store and I was like, well, for sure there's gotta be something that doesn't have dairy in there. And there was, and it was soy, and I couldn't have soy either. So I ended up not buying any yogurt, which, you know, was upsetting because I really wanted to find something that I could eat easily. But I love to cook and I had actually ironically learned how to make yogurt. The month prior, one of my best friends is Persian, and his parents make yogurt every week because they literally put it on everything in Persian food. If you have Persian food or you know Persian people, there's yogurt's a huge part of their food culture. So his mom had just taught me how to make dairy yogurt and so a month later, when I was going through this dairy free lifestyle for the first time, I just took the same principles that she taught me and I just subbed out the dairy. And like, ironically, like it turned out so well. Cause at that time, you'd see like, or a couple years later, you'd see a lot of people like, putting dairy-free yogurt recipes online. And then you read the comments and people were like, it doesn't turn out. It tastes terrible. You know, people had a really hard time making it at home. So the fact that I just like didn't know what I was doing, I didn't find a recipe online. I just kind of like intuitively like subbed out Yogurt and added cultures, and it just turned out was kind of amazing. So, I sort of took this recipe and honed it and really recreated that Faye Greek yogurt, the super thick tang yogurt that I was eating every day. I recreated it with my own recipe, and it was so good that I actually hid it from my husband for the first year that I was making it because it took me like over 24 hours to make it. And I was like, if he finds this, he's gonna eat all of it. So I like hit it in the back of the fridge and like a weird container. So he literally didn't eat it for a whole year. And I was like selfishly hoarding it. Oh my gosh. But I would start making recipes for people. And like, I'd put it on rice. We, we'd make plain yogurt. And I'd put it on rice and I would put it into smoothies. I would make tzatziki sauce with it. I would marinate chicken with yogurt and saffron. Like I was just making everything with this yogurt. And so... Throughout that year, I would start having friends ask me to buy it. And so I thought that was very interesting. And I would just tell them what I was doing, but they didn't want to make it. They wanted to buy it from me. So my husband was like, well, you should sell this at a farmer's market. And I had actually just met somebody. um, So this is like within the first year that I was making it for myself. I had just met somebody within that year that was opening like a commercial kitchen space and kind of helping food brands get started And so I had met her at the same time. My husband was like, you should sell this. I had friends in Austin that were like, please sell me this yogurt. I want it so bad. So I ended up starting to sell it at local farmer's markets in Austin. And I specifically remember that the first farmer's market took me like 6 months from the time I decided to start selling it to actually sell it. Like, I knew nothing about starting a business. I mean, literally could not have been somebody who knew less about getting something started so it took me a long time I had to like figure out how to scale the recipe because making 10 servings is really different than making 50 servings and making 50 servings is different than making a hundred servings like the recipes don't scale like that so it took me a long time I ended up going and buying like hummus containers from like a food supply store I printed my labels online and made my logo in like Microsoft Word like I just did not know what I was doing. So we get to the market, it's our first day, everything is very handmade, hand done, and I dragged my husband with me because I was like I cannot do this by myself. I I need some help. So he came to the market with me and we're they there getting set up and the market starts and we sell out in 30 minutes. Wow. And my husband was like okay, maybe I'll do this with you. <laughs> so it was kind of crazy that first year we started selling, we like expanded a lot. And it was just obvious that people really loved the product and really had a lot of the issues I had where they were dealing with some inflammation in their body. They were removing a lot of items and it's so depressing to remove things and to not know what to fill your diet with. So I think people were just so grateful. I mean, people would tell me all the time that they tried my yogurt and they cried. We still get people email us this all the time, but they tried the yogurt and they cried because they were so happy they found something they could eat. And so stuff like that was really sweet and encouraging and kind of kept me going and figuring out how do I take this in the farmer's market and grow the business. So that was kind of originally like how I got started and yeah, it was, it was kind of an accident, you know, it just sort of happened that I made something that people really resonated with and, and people loved. And it was obviously it was kind of like the right time and right place sort of thing.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations to you. That's a beautiful story that it was born out of that. And I know that when you taste the yogurt, you do taste the difference. But I also do believe that through these grassroots ways of like podcasts and social media, like we're making the market way more aware of the labels and what's really inside. And people are kind of frustrated. They're starting to look at their labels, or if you're not, you should be looking at your labels in your refrigerator and at the grocery store because a lot of the non- non-dairy yogurts you're getting contains soybeans and it contains dipotassium phosphate and tricalcium phosphate and natural flavors and all these weird ingredients that are shown to promote inflammation and cause havoc on your health. So I'm looking at your labels and I do want to kind of go through those ingredients and talk a little bit, break down those because they are so simple. But I do have to tell you, and I'm sure you've heard this, who you said you've used the yogurt over and over in so many ways. I've been saying from the get go of when I discovered Kalina Yogurt was probably how long you've been in business? I'd say this was three and a half years ago. Yeah, we've been in business, uh, I think six years. Okay. Three and a half, four years. Yeah. I've been in business four years now helping people, but I remember when I discovered Kalina yogurt, the regular one, no flavors. Which one is that? The plain and simple. That's the plain. Yeah. It is the best sour cream substitute in this world. I can even put it on my kids' tacos. Tell people when you make chili, when you make tortilla soup, you have to get the Kalina plain and simple and put a dollop on top. Amazing.
1: Yeah. The sour cream that's available is that's dairy-free is so bad. It's disgusting. I think a lot of dairy-free stuff, in my opinion, I'm super opinionated about food. Like, you know, if you know me personally, like you know that I'm like ruthless when it comes to food. But the sour cream substitutes, we've thought about making a sour cream. We just haven't kind of gone down that road yet. But we have developed a sour cream with kulina, and it's like amazing. So I make it for myself at home. Yes. We get the plane to label as sour cream and it would be 1 million times better than everything. Yes.
0: That's what I was gonna tell you. Like, don't even like try to go for another ingredient route. People just need you to tell them it's sour cream, and they will use it. Yeah. Maybe you just put a little bit of dill in there. Oh my gosh! Yeah, our product is really interesting because. There's so many ways we
1: could expand out from this original core product. I think the thing that we've done really, really well is that we've learned how to culture a non-dairy base in the best way. I don't think people... For a long time, people were like, why do dairy-free products suck? And why are they not good? Why do they not taste good? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that we can get into. But I think the main thing is that for whatever reason, I just had an advantage as I was making this and I... I wasn't a food manufacturer and I wasn't a food scientist. So I went about this in a very normal way. Whereas when you're making a food product, you are oftentimes approaching how to create something in a, in a way that's how do I scale this and commercialize it? Not in how do I make this for myself at home in my kitchen? And so those are very two opposing ways to create food. And so this is why you hear this story of like, I made it in my kitchen. I scaled it like People say all the time because there are so many brands that have that story, but people don't realize how important that is because on the other side, you have a group of food scientists that are like, they have a specific costing structure they have to hit, they have specific equipment they have to make something on. So they're creating and formulating a product around specific parameters. They're not creating... How do I make the best tasting product? They're making how do we make a product that's gonna work with this equipment? How do we make a product that's gonna work with this cost structure? It's just a very different way of approaching food. And there's room for both because there's a lot of different needs within food in general. But the way I've created products is that I'm taste and texture and flavor first, and that's how we've made every decision is always with how do I make the best tasting product Because I think that is the number one attribute people are looking for when they, most people, I think there are those people who are going to like drink soluent and eat things that don't taste good because they don't care. But most people want to buy food that tastes good. And I think that's where we have a lot of challenges in the U S because we don't understand how food manufacturing can really affect our palates and our brains and how we're processing food. And so I think the whole natural flavors conversation is very interesting. We can get into that later. But I really think the way I've approached my company and what I'm doing is just from a very different perspective because I'm a normal person. I'm not a not a business person. I'm not a food scientist. I'm not a food manufacturer. I'm not a multi-million dollar food corporation. I'm literally just the person that made something for myself and I figured out over
0: time how to take exactly what I made in my kitchen and make more. And the proof is in the package as well. So tell me, what was the point of you using maple syrup versus most other yogurts out there on the market when they're trying to sweeten their yogurt? When they do, they add cane sugar. Yeah. So why did you go with maple syrup? Well, that's a great question. I think this has been a point of contention since I started
1: the brand. Maple syrup is like 30 times more expensive than cane sugar. So most brands automatically, they're not going to choose maple syrup. They're not even going to choose honey or even agave. Cane sugar is so much cheaper that I think even buying organic cane sugar is just more feasible for most brands. But again, the way I made this was like, what do I want to eat at home and what I felt comfortable feeding my family. And maple syrup for me was something that I feel is a very natural source of sugar in small quantities. You don't need that much. It's very sweet. There's a great flavor to it. And my whole point was like, how do I take fruit and slightly enhance it to make something that's low in sugar, but also tastes really good? And also, you know, for me, we've always tried to create Uh, Probiotic component to our products, and that was originally we always used probiotics to culture versus just regular cultures. We use probiotic, and in using that, we basically just really focused on, I guess, the idea that like cane sugar is not good for your gut, like, everybody knows that, but if you are saying that your product is probiotic and you're encouraging people to consume your product for a healthy gut, but you also have cane sugar in your product. To me, those are two opposing ideas. You either are creating a product that's helpful for people's gut, or you're creating product that's harmful. And I don't think that adding cane sugar into yogurt that you consume every day is positive for the consumer. And so for me, there was always this, I'm not going to eat cane sugar, so why would I put it in my product? So I've always stayed in the lane of we're going to keep using a sugar that I would consume at home. Um, And of course, if I make a cake for other people, yeah, I might use some cane sugar. But I'm eating yogurt every day. I'm not going to start my day with cane sugar. It's not good for your gut. It's disruptive. We know that. And so for me, using maple really is such a better source of sweetener and something I use personally at home. It is way more expensive. It is also way more complicated to add to our product. And so I've definitely counted the cost when it comes to making this decision, but for me it's definitely challenging. Like there's a lot of pressure to continue to produce a product that is makes sense and it's the right price point for the market, but I, as I've grown my company, have just there's been some non-negotiables and how we sweeten our products. We're not going to switch to cane sugar. You know, to me, it's like what's the point of existing if we're just like everybody else. So, yeah, it's something. It's a hill that I've died on, and <laughs> we'll continue to do so. But we've been able to scale despite that being a challenge, cost-wise and process-wise. That's great. And I just love the flavor of maple. I think it's so good.
0: Yeah. It is. It's so natural. It's a natural sweetener and it is so good. It's so much more healing. Mm -hmm. Healing nutrients. Yeah. And if you've watched
1: people make maple syrup, I used to work with somebody in one of my commercial kitchens who she would buy unfiltered raw maple and I would watch her filter it. So I talked to her about the process and I actually bought maple syrup from her in the very beginning, but they had trees they would tap and the syrup would, they would filter the syrup out of the trees. They would send it to her. She would boil and prop and let it go through a screen and then she would sell that. And that was it. People just don't realize how much food is processed. And to me, that was so minimal and it was so cool to see, you know, this really pure ingredient that's not going through a lot of processing. It's very, very simple. And so I saw that and I'm like, that's very different. If you look and see how cane sugar is produced, I mean, (laughs) it's completely different. So I really like love to focus on like the simplicity, like how do you get as close to the original ingredient as possible? So that's definitely where, you know, my brain was at when choosing maple.
0: For sure. And I tell, I like to tell a lot of my clients, like, pretend like your body is a Ferrari or like a super fancy luxury car, right? Do you want to put shitty gas in there or horrible things in there? No, then it's going to break down the quality of that. And so I think people should assess their food like that as well. And I applaud you for keeping those high standards. Cause as you grow in a business, I even know it's like, you want to serve everyone and help everyone, but you also have to remember like, Mm -hmm. wait a second, I have to serve those who want to pay a little more and want to care about what the food is doing to them and also are educated and aware of it. And unfortunately it's, it's, the food industry is against both of us. And so it's an ongoing battle and it's going to be almost near impossible to like save everyone from it.
1: Yeah. And I think that people are in different stages of their life. And if they want to buy a ninety-nine cent yogurt because that's where they're at, like there's that option, right? But for people that really care about every ingredient that's going into their bodies and they're wanting to pay $3.99 for a cup of yogurt versus 99 cents, like we're there. You know, we're that option. I think all I think options should exist and I think we should create the ability. And that's why stores like Whole Foods are so great is, you know, it gets such a bad rap, but like it's creating a marketplace for brands like me. Like like we can't go sell at walmart it would not it would be way too expensive and so stores like natural grocers sprouts whole foods they create the ability for brands like mine to exist and they get such a bad rap for being so expensive but it's not that they're expensive it's that they're selecting to sell brands that Cost more to produce. So you can't compare it to, to a conventional grocery store. So it's there for the people that care and they want to seek out those products with ingredients that are better for them.
0: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly I'm with you. Tell me, I'm reading your ingredient label and I notice, and I know a lot of people notice because they're always like, Jen, you say that Kalina yogurt's clean, but why does it have a gar in it? What is a gar? And I'm like, okay, well, we do have an ingredients list within our app. So you could search it. But we want to hear it from the source. Erin, let everyone know what is agar. Agar. I call it agar. So I think there's multiple ways to pronounce it. So when I was formulating,
1: this is how I made it at home. This is how I made it up first. One of the things that I was avoiding at the time was starches. I had a really hard time with digesting starch. I would eat something with starch in it. It would create a lot of bloating, a lot of stomach issues. And so I avoided starches for a long time and really felt like There was a few options of how to formulate. I did it in the most natural way possible. But one of the things that I could eat was sea moss. I could have seaweed. And so really, agar actually comes from seaweed. And I got the luxury of being able to go to visit my supplier because I wanted to know how the product was produced. And it's very interesting. But basically, agar comes from wild seaweed that's harvested in the middle of the ocean. So they send... These guys out who are hardcore divers, and they spend about eight to nine hours underwater cutting out some of this seaweed that lives in the middle of the ocean. And then they bring the seaweed back, they boil it, and the water that is from the boiling, they dry it, and that's what agar is. And so it's a very interesting ingredient. It's used a lot in in Japanese culture. So you're not going to find a lot of agar here in the States. We just don't really use it. But you're going to find it a lot when you go to Japan. But they discovered it about a thousand years ago after leaving seaweed out. And they found that they um, had made agar through drying seaweed. So it's a very interesting ingredient. I chose it because it doesn't upset people's stomachs and their digestion it's really like 100% fiber we don't use very much but it does help with the overall like consistency and texture of our product and it's like a, a great source of fiber and minerals we don't actually really like claim anything around that but for me it's a really like neutral ingredient and something that i haven't found that has caused me or anybody I know issues. Now you don't want to consume a ton of agar powder, you know, just straight up because it's hundred percent fiber and you will like choke and die. But using it within a food product is very normal and safe and it's very easy on your digestion. So yeah, that's how I made it at home too. So it's funny. Cause like, I really am saying like the way that we make it now is like exactly how I made it at home in 2014. And like, This is how I made it at home. So
0: really, we took that exact recipe and that's what we went with and we haven't changed it since. Beautiful. Love it. Okay. So everybody knows when they're reading the label, they know what that is. Also, you use organic coconuts. This was funny. One time somebody came, actually, I was on a vacation with someone and they're like, Jen, what's going to happen to your business if there's ever a coconut shortage? And I started laughing. I'm like, not everything we promote is coconut. But (laughs) tell me about using coconut and fermenting it. You're fermenting it, right? For 18 plus Mm -hmm. hours to get that thick and tangy yogurt. And also, how do you get it to taste so similar to a milk based yogurt?
1: That's a great question. Okay. So I formulated my own set of probiotics because I had no idea what I was doing when I got started. So I just did whatever I thought I should do. Not like this preconceived notion of how brands operate. But generally, when you make yogurt, there is like two major corporations you buy cultures from. And there's a set set of cultures that you use for yogurt. And because I didn't know that, I experimented and made my own culture blend and found other cultures that grew better in the non-dairy base. And these cultures produced... I played around for a long time. And I found that there was a group of cultures that worked really well together and created sort of that dairy-like flavor and really got the product super thick and creamy over a long fermentation time. And the reason why this is not the way people do this now is one, what I mentioned, there's already set cultures that are sold to dairy companies. And there's not a lot of like other people selling other types of cultures. Like I even went to these culture houses when I got started and asked, hey, I have this specific culture blend that I found really works. Can you manufacture it for me? And they all said, no, they wouldn't do it. They were like, you can use our in-house cultures that we've already created. And so I tried them and none of them worked. They all died. So a lot of people have had this experience where they'll eat a non-dairy yogurt and something off, they're tasting something off. And what that is, is that people put in cultures and they try to grow cultures within the non-dairy base. But a lot of those cultures don't grow. They literally die off and you're tasting that die off in the product. And there's literally products on the shelf that have like all of these cultures and these cultures are literally dying. They're not growing. So it's like, Oh, our brand has like eight different culture blends or this pro you know, this proprietary blend and you try and it's like tastes dead and tastes weird. And it's like, those cultures don't actually grow. And so I think there's just like a, there was something I discovered very early on that like, these companies, these probiotic companies that wanted to sell me cultures, he did sell me, I would buy some and test them, and those cultures wouldn't actually grow. And I would go back and talk to them and say, hey, these don't even grow in coconut. And they were like, yeah, we know we don't have an answer, you know? So it was like this really funny thing. I literally went and created something that they couldn't and that they didn't have at the time. And I think over the years, they've developed an understanding, but I talked to their, you know, I talked to their top food, food scientists and, you know, and they were like, we don't know what we're doing yet, basically. Yeah. So it was very interesting. I started this brand at a time where like, no one knew what they were doing. So I found another small probiotic company and I had them create, this blend for me. And we bought that for a really long time until we were able to scale up with somebody else. So, but part of that, not to go too much on tangent, but like those cultures that I... That I formulated myself, they really provide that super delicious dairy-like flavor that you get in our product. That it's hard to find in other products. It's very subtle, but if you pay attention to it, you can really taste the difference in our product. And then we also culture the product for a long time too, which is another reason why our product is expensive. The way food is made is that you work in a factory, right? And you're usually working with a contract co-packer, or if you have your own facility, it's the same deal. But basically, you want to make your product as fast as possible. Because every hour, you're taking up space in that equipment is money. So the fact that most dairy yogurts are made within like four to six hours, when we would go to co-packers and we would say, hey, our our fermentation time is 18 to 24 hours, they would be like, get out. (laughs) They'd be like, there's no way you can make this. So we had a really hard time because... When you culture a product, it needs time, right? A lot of dairy companies are adding things to speed up that fermentation. Well, you're acidifying, but you're not really culturing. You're not really like getting the full flavor that you get from a long fermentation. And so the way, again, it kind of goes back to the way I formulated this was not thinking through the lens of like someone who works as a commercializer or, or someone that works in product development scaling food. I was coming at it from like Normal person, and it took 24 hours to make at home. So that's, I didn't want to add things to speed up that process. I wanted the time to make the flavor develop. And so that's another reason our product costs more is that we don't add things to to acidify the product and get it to a low pH quickly. We let it develop over time. And so it's something that you just don't get, you won't understand as a consumer, but it is something that does make our product
0: different. It makes it taste a lot
1: better and gets that really thick and creamy texture
0: hundred percent. I'm in agreement and I applaud you. I think it's amazing. I want to read this. So this is, and I'm going to throw them under the bus. This is silk dairy-free yogurt. And on the side of it, it says it's free from dairy, gluten, nuts, carrageenan, and artificial flavors. But it's a good source of protein and calcium. Okay. And then when you read the label, which I want to, because I want you to hear it and I want you to hear the length of it. It is soy milk. So you got filtered water, soybeans. You have to ask yourself, are these GMO soybeans? There's pesticides in these soybeans, aside from it being soy. Then you got cane sugar, corn starch, pectin, tricalcium phosphate, citric acid, natural flavor, dipos- dipotassium phosphate, sea salt, vanilla bean, live and active cultures, which we discussed once we're alive, mixed toco furless, and vitamin C ester to protect freshness, and vitamin D2. Now I want to read your bourbon vanilla, which is one of my favorites. So it is Kalina's bourbon vanilla, um, is organic coconut, organic maple syrup, agar, bourbon vanilla, and then the probiotic cultures. So short, simple, and sweet, right? Yeah, makes sense. So interesting.
1: So like, it's funny because if you read the silk label as a consumer, you don't really understand this, but that's like 99% water that you're buying. It's water with a thickener and then natural flavors that makes you think you're eating something, but you're buying water, which is why it's so cheap. So, and again, I think that there should be substitutes for everybody's budget. Like, I understand not everybody's going to be in a place where they're going to buy something that's the price point we're at. I mean, I, I hope that people can make decisions in their life to pivot once they realize the importance of that. But at the end of the day, like, there's going to be options that exist. But when you are buying a product like that, in a lot of products, you're buying mostly water because coconut or I would say soybeans, not that expensive, but things like coconut are very expensive. So our product is like mostly coconut and it's not a lot of water. Whereas a lot of brands add a little bit of coconut and a lot of water so that they can get to a price point they need to, to be competitive on shelf. And so, you know, when you're eating a product like silk, you know, you have to also look at every single one of those ingredients is coming from another plant. So when you're buying soy milk, that's being processed at a completely different plan. It goes through a whole lot of processing. It's made and then it's shipped. So they're basically combining a bunch of processed ingredients together, mixing it together. They're not even culturing it. They're mixing it together and they're putting it in a cup and they're selling it to you. Like there's no, it's like not even the same thing at all. It's so wild. And you can taste it. I think people like. I don't think the people buying Colleen are also buying Silk but I would say you know not to throw other brands under the bus but a lot of brands are mostly water a little bit of almond or a little bit of cashew or a little bit of coconut and another thing that these brands are doing is they're all adding natural flavors and there's a lot of reasons for that but natural flavors do two main things it masks other flavors that the manufacturer doesn't want you to taste and it also enhances the flavor. So for example, if we look at number two, how it enhances the flavor, say we're making a strawberry yogurt and strawberries are really expensive. So and especially stra- like, say you just take a conventional strawberry, there are levels to conventional strawberries. There's the strawberry that tastes and looks like a strawberry that is delicious and then you have strawberries that are like the unripe white strawberries the ones that no one wants to buy well they take those in food manufacturing and they make a puree out of them and they add sugar and they add artificial or they add um, natural flavors to make it taste like strawberry but you're not eating strawberries you're eating a bunch of unripe unnutritious strawberries so they take that and they know that they're trying to make the cheapest product possible so they want to make a strawberry yogurt and they need to make sure they have strawberry in the label right because they can't say it's strawberry yogurt if there's no real fruit in there right or they can but like it looks better for the consumer if it's there's like real fruit so they'll put strawberry in there they'll put really unripe bad strawberries that are made into a puree and don't taste anything like strawberries and then they add a natural flavor and the natural flavor is what makes your brain think you're eating strawberries, but you're not. You're eating a flavor that's been naturally derived and heavily processed in order for your brain to think that you're eating strawberries, but you're not eating strawberries and it actually doesn't taste anything like strawberries because it's a natural flavor. It's not actually real. like, it's not, it's not the flavor you'd get from eating a real strawberry. So they do that because strawberries are very expensive and it's much cheaper, much, 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 much cheaper to add a flavor of something and make the consumer think they're eating. Strawberry, but really, all they're tasting is a natural flavor. The the reason why they add natural flavors is that natural flavors is a huge category. So it's not just like the strawberry that we mentioned. I mean, it's it's massive. They're so, and you've probably talked about this, I'm sure, in tons of episodes. But basically, natural flavors they are they also have a whole category of natural flavors that mask things, so your palate doesn't taste something off or it doesn't taste something rancid or wrong. So it's not just to add in a flavor, it's also to detract, which I think is really creepy and weird that you could be eating food that tastes horrible, but your brain doesn't know because the natural flavor tricks your brain into not tasting that component. So for example, you have uh, pea protein, which tastes terrible. So every single yogurt you see that has pea protein is always going to have natural flavors. And you think, oh, natural flavor is like, oh, it's strawberry, whatever, it's good for me. No, the natural flavor that's in there is helping your brain not process that you're eating something nasty and that your brain is like, stop eating this, stop eating this. But instead, you are masked. You don't even know how bad it tastes. And so you keep eating it because natural flavor is blocking your taste receptors from tasting that flavor of how gross pea protein is. So I think that's just very interesting to understand the why behind natural flavors and and here's the thing like There's tons of brands that I know, and I have tons of friends that use natural flavors in their products. It's gonna be really hard to avoid natural flavors completely. And I don't think that's like the suggestion, but I think we should really look at how much we're consuming because I know most people are consuming natural flavors in almost everything they eat at all points of the day without an understanding of what it's doing to their brain, their body, their palates, kind of how it's warping your sense of what's real. And I think it can lead to a lot of overconsumption. I think it can lead to the ability to not recognize what tastes real and what real sweetness is and what real food tastes like and I think that's very dangerous to be in and I don't think that you know the FDA or anyone's going to come out against natural flavors for a long time I think we're going to have to wait a while to see people really like see the effects of it because i think it's not as obvious but i'm sure you guys talk about this all the time but it's something we avoid and you'll never see natural flavors used in any kalina products and also you'll never see any low calorie sweeteners just because i honestly hate them and i think they're disgusting
0: <laughs> yeah yeah As you read the ingredients around the label and you start seeing like the low calorie sweeteners or you see the natural flavors, those are signs of the quality of the product and if they do have the consumer in mind or not. So like you said, oh, a lot of the food we're buying, and this is true, you go to the grocery your food is inexpensive that you're picking out and you're eating you know, a lot of water, a lot of natural flavors, not a lot of like the good for you ingredients that you need. And so what's totally. happening is you're hungry all day. And so a lot of people are, they're looking for snacks all day. They need more food. They're having sugar crashes. They're looking for more coffee. And so at the end of the day, you assume that you need this much food. Food. Like, this is how much food it takes you to get full and get energy and run your life. And so, when people look at it and think, Oh my gosh, if I have to swap all of that food and those snacks and those coffees for the higher quality, more expensive things, they automatically think, Wait, I can't afford to eat, you know, three things of yogurt a day, and I can't afford to buy this really expensive meat and have that every night. And it's like, No, you're going to eat so much less, and you're going to save so much more money on being sick and not missing. Work and so it's so hard to get somebody just to believe in the system and do it.
1: The problem is that like it's not just conventional food; it's also natural food. You know, you you see this in natural food as well, and that's why it's so important to understand and what you're doing, helping people really decipher the labels and not just go somewhere like Whole Foods and assume everything is good because it's not. And you know that. And that's kind of what you're teaching is to be smarter. So and companies like us, we're trying to provide if you don't want to make all your own food, which is option number one, option number two is to try to buy some of your food, but from brands that really have your best interests in mind, which is, you know, hard to hard to understand. Um, So I think what you're doing is really important.
0: Yeah. And look, I'm here just to bring awareness to what you're doing. So I can't do it without you. So I appreciate you as well. Everyone listening, go check out Kalina Yogurt on Instagram. Also, you can go to kalinayogurt.com and you can see their flavors. You can also click the Find Us link and there is a store locator. That means you just simply put in your zip code and it'll show you all the amazing grocery stores near you that carry Kalina Yogurt. Trust me when I say that you want to swap out your sour. Cream immediately for the plain and simple, and also upgrade your yogurt every single morning for this thick Greek style, women owned, dairy free yogurt company. Erin, you've been amazing. I appreciate everything, and keep being awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com.